Um, I'm going to have my good friend, Balaj, come on forth. Um, he's actually going to bring you guys the Word of God, teach you guys. Uh, We've been going through the uh, series, come on up, We're going through a series on the Holy Spirit, and Balaj is going to continue that teaching today. Uh, Balaj is actually one of our missionaries from Hungary. He's actually from Hungary himself, and he pastors a church there. We support him as a church. Uh, he married a gal from the Central Coast, and so we've got close connections and ties with these guys, and we love uh, being able to hear what God has to speak through these guys. So here's Balaj. Let's give him a nice... Welcome. Oh, what a privilege. What a privilege. We feel so loved by you guys very much. My whole family and my little two-year-old, we were, like, preparing her. We are going to America. We are going to America. And whenever we go to a grocery store here, he's like, when are we going back to America? That's grandma's farm up in Templeton. He's like, like, we are in America. This is the road, Daddy. <laughs> Let's go back to America. That's, uh, well, what a privilege to be here. And, and I'm so like, honored that Brian asked me to jump in this series. And I've been listening and being fed alongside of you guys. And I, I'm really being blessed. And, and this has been a subject where God has been dealing with me, too, in our church. So what a coincidence. Yeah. But uh, about how to discern the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit leads, or how, he, how He's led in Scripture before in the Old Testament, how He's leading today. Very important questions. And I, I, I know that God wants to clarify and define these things because He doesn't want just, like, I don't know, floppy, naive, confused followers. You know, He's really honest with us. And, and so as I was looking through the Old Testament, you know, like, I could not have found a better just um, conclusion of how he's speaking to us so honestly through his spirit that what Nehemiah in chapter 9, he looked back on his, his people's history and he said, like, you gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. And a few verses later in in verse 30, it says, Many years you bore with them and warned them by your spirit through your prophets. And isn't that what he does so patiently? He just does not rest until he woos his sons and daughters down. And, and he just keeps speaking to our hearts by his Holy Spirit. And, and so I, and this is an obvious way how he's led in the scripture in the Old Testament. You know, he spoke. He spoke to our hearts, even if we were not listening, you know. But as I was studying through, uh, there is awesome ways how the Holy Spirit used people and led people. And we cannot go through all of them, but, you know, like he, he, did, he did crazy stuff. But well, you can generally say that the Holy Spirit, it was, was empowering people and using people in a task-oriented way in the Old Testament. It was very calling-oriented. God had a job to do, and he got a guy, and he's like, all right, I'm going to empower you, and... We're going to do this and this. And there's crazy stories. But I, just, I love reading. And there's, there's stories when it says the Holy Spirit rushed on a guy, just rushed over him, and gave him physical strength to tear a lion apart. You know, like, like, and, and the other guys, like he could feel the guy, and then he just blew a trumpet in the face of overwhelming enemy in the midst of fear to call his bodies to fight. And so it's like the Holy Spirit is doing really, really awesome stuff regarding a task or a calling. But, you know, we can go through hundreds of these, but we're not going to go through it now. But 
Um, but, but something in the list what struck me and just really, really hit me was something what I, I didn't really put emphasis on, but he does, is that when he gave a symbolic picture and of how we can approach him and how he approaches us, actual physical objects, actually, he asked some guys to build a tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant and some order of services and priests and robes and and. And he showed, actually, Moses how to do it. And then he asked Moses, like, ask this couple of guys to start carving away, you know. And what he said about these guys in Exodus 31, it says, you give, he says, I filled him, these artist guys, with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge of all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood to work in every craft. You talk about inspiration, you artsy ones. You know, the, the, the author of life, the great story writer pouring out his heart and inspiring you to actually create something beautiful. And he's like, I actually want to speak through those symbols, but we're not talking... We're not going to go into them, but it just struck me that he would not withhold any beauty and any goodness, even through arts and creating. He's just like he's, he's kind of like telling his sons and daughters, just put your hands to something, start start working. Let me show you what I what I can what I can do through you. And so he isn't that isn't that crazy that the great story writer who actually defined what pretty is would empower us and do crazy stuff like this. Anyway, but it's just... But the next thing was really cool. It's... Uh, the Holy Spirit did a really cool stuff empowering people for tasks, but in David's time, he was ordering the priests and ordering this tabernacle service and all that. And in First Chronicles 25, he talks about an order of worship. They, they did like almost like a 24-hour worship, non-stop. There was big families organized, awesome leaders, really good musicians. And what it says about... One particular family is this: David and the chiefs of the service also set apart for the service of the son, also set apart for the service, the sons of Asaph, the sons of Heman, Heman, and of Yedutum. I say it in Hungarian, who prophesied with the lyres, with harps, and with the cymbals. And a couple of verses later, of the same guy is I call it Daddy J. Uh, the sons of Daddy J were these guys. I just there were six of them. Good name choices, and um, and under the direction of Daddy J, who prophesied with the guitar in thanksgiving and praise to the Lord, you know, they, they, it's like what what a picture. I just love this family. There is there is Father J with the guitar and you know with his family bluegrass band and start picking away, and the Holy Spirit just communicates something to you. Isn't that interesting? And if I feel so guilty sometimes. I'm like, oh, I'm a, I'm a muso. I always talk about music. But this is actually something what God thinks so important and such important part of our party with him is that this is actually going to be what we're going to do in the future. The gate story rider wrote our future. And then when we're going to go to heaven, we drop on our knees and we're going to sing a song. The first thing that we're going to do is just... And we're going to sing a song of the Lamb and just give thanks for our redemption and, and thanks for the Lamb who was slain. 
And it is, isn't, it, isn't it amazing? And we're actually going to get some instruments with awesome acoustics, and I'm pretty sure. Like, he got the gear, actually. Revelation says. He's going to give it to us, and, okay, we're going to party. We're going to actually have music. So he emphasizes this, not me. But didn't you feel that uh, sometimes you are not even just, oh, I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to come on. You don't even give effort to the opinion or the word of God. And he just goes out of his way to woo your heart down when you turn the radio on, you know. But didn't you feel, I, I feel in our church, before we even start singing, we just start playing a couple of blues leaks. And the Holy Spirit sometimes accomplishes more in hearts than me, with my reasoning. I, I could not accomplish with sitting down and, hey, just, you know, God loves you. And God, you. It's just, he does that through strings. Isn't that amazing? That, that speaks of him just going out of his way to woo your hearts down. And, that, you know, and, and to encourage all the musos and all the arts, you know, just go for it. Because God loves to go out of his way to communicate to us through his spirit. And this is the Old Testament. This is when we see he's very task-oriented. He wants to get things done and write a beautiful story. Well, I think we live in the best part of it. But, you know, I couldn't go on without mentioning David. Not just with strings. Not just with prophesying through awesome, you know, there's a guy, jazz violinist, and he just starts playing in our church, and I'm just like melting. I'm like, oh, did I keep the rhythm? <laughs> it is really beautiful. But David actually prophesied by the Holy Spirit in lyrics of worship songs. In fact, God spoke the breathed message to him, writing his blues songs, you know. And in fact, in Luke 20, Jesus Christ proving to the Pharisees that he is the Messiah, quoting a worship song from David, quoting a lyric of a worship song. And then a few months later, the same very worship song and the same author is, is quoted by Apostle Peter in the day of Pentecost. And, and, and it hit the people so hard, that reasoning, that, that message through the Holy Spirit way back then that, that, you know, 3,000 of them, the light bulb came on. It's just like, what should we do? My goodness. That just, it just hit them through lyrics of a... So it just speaks of our mighty God that He would lead us in any way necessary. His Spirit would find ways to get to you, even if it's... Uh, beautiful violin solo, you know? Just like, oh. But uh, speaking of being a Holy Spirit, being uh, task-oriented in, in the Old Testament, I think the peak of that in the Old Testament is Isaiah 61, when, when Jesus Christ himself, our Lord, quotes in Luke 4, 18, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, to, and because he has anointed me to accomplish something. It's, that's his mission to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know. And it, just, um, it is good for us to see when we want to ask Him, like, how are you leading, Lord? How can I discern your voice? How can I, you know... And we are always stuck on questions what... You know, like, oh, should I move here? Should I do that? Should I marry this? Should I adopt this child? Should I, you know, like, practical this is. But he actually put the emphasis on very much 
from the nature of his Holy Spirit. He wants us to know him. So when it comes to questions like that, we just, oh, I know how he would speak to me. I know how that could go, you know. But in the new covenant, though, he spoke early on of a new kind of dynamic between your soul and his spirit. You know, your spirit and his spirit. And in Ezekiel 36, 25, he's talking about, to his people, it's a beautiful context when we talk about his people, but he already told them a kind of relationship between his spirit and you. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. Meaning no bossing around by anything or anybody anymore. It's like, I actually want to set you free. I want to be your good shepherd. I don't want anybody else to, you know, just boss you around. And he tells us the way how he's going to go about it. The next verse, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statues. And be careful to obey my rules. And even as he gives like a foretaste of what's coming. He's like, you know, when my spirit's going to come close to your spirit, it's going to be like this. He right away showed like a parallel or an opposition between his heart, the nature of his heart, replacing something absolutely yucky. Something really bad. And he's honest about it. So when we want to know how to discern his spirit and how to discern his heart, like how he would lead, he's very honest about how, who he's like, what he's like, but he's very honest to us what we are like. You know, what's our nature like and our spirit is like. And so... Uh, Romans 8, I know that Pastor Brian started this uh, study in Romans 8, and, and I just, I, I see, we're going we're gonna to go back there. And it says, Romans 8, 1, it says, there, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And as we read on, just taking the principles of how the Holy Spirit is leading and what He is accomplishing, He set you free, you know. And, and we, we see, and I, I saw that, uh, I've been listening, and I like when, when, um, when Pastor Brian said that, that sin leads to death, but, but it just leads to stories with expiration date, and I love that expression. And God doesn't write stories with expiration dates. You know, He leaves... He, he writes the stories of life, you know. And, and, and I, I got to keep saying that in our church. I got to keep saying that every Sunday because our country has the second and the third coming in every year on the suicide list, every year. And I have to tell, you know, like nonstop we are in leadership meetings when we hear somebody who we know committed suicide, we just like, you know, our leadership meeting starts with praying against copycat syndrome, you know. And so God... Write stories of life, not stories with expiration dates. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit coming close to you, coming in you, 
just the first thing you got to remember. And, and, and the, the reason why he can come close to you in, in verse 3, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. And for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is a story with expiration date. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. You know. And I, I would, um, we can fall into two extremes here. Uh, this is a mental decision, you know, to set your mind on something. But we are talking about a spiritual miracle here. And in, 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 in church, you can go to two extremes, only talk about the spiritual miracle of it, and then it's like, oh, it doesn't matter, you know, my thoughts are, are fluffy, and then talk about, oh, it's all spiritual, you know, or we do the opposite and say, it's all mental, it's like brain control or something, it's like, no, it, you set your mind, but there is a spiritual miracle happening here, and I want to talk more on this, because we miss this, I think. Even when I'm going off, and I'm bitter and grumpy and I, I just like I don't feel like pleasing God you know I still agree with him you know I still like oh I know I'm doing wrong like I don't enjoy it either it's not just like you said it is bad and it's like oh daddy said it's bad like I know it's bad and I agree with him you know but he's like you know he wants us to have this choice but then also he wants to perform this spiritual miracle in our heart you know he explains it. If I don't set my mind, it's like, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You know, Even when I'm in my flesh, I want to please God. Because most of his ideas are pretty good. No, he, like, he's right. You know, Just go and argue with him. He's going to win. He has good ideas. So even when I'm in the flesh, I want to please God. And I just get all frustrated when I can't. You know? So, so it's no question that when he's doing this parallel between my fleshly inclination and his nature, you know, and discerning his heart, um, there's like a, a war going on here, you know. And I was pretty frustrated. Even recently, like beginning of this year, I was like, I didn't understand this frustration and this, like, what is this marathon, you know? What is my flesh doing? What, I, I'm trying so hard and I just, it just makes it worse, you know? And he helped me through Paul's letter to the Galatians, Galatians in chapter 5. He talks about what my flesh is, what my inclination is. You guys want to hear it? It's pretty discouraging. <laughs> now the works of the flesh are evident. This is my flesh. Okay, you want to hear about it? Uh, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. You know. And if you look at that, I, I looked at it and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm on the list. 
It's pretty frustrating, and I don't want to be on that list. You know? and, and I did what, with my best effort, to try to get off that list. Did you try to get off that list? I started to tackle it one by one. Bad idea. <laughs> because you work on one so hard that you fail four others on the, on the down, you know. And then I'm like striving even more what's actually on the list. Oh, no, this is really discouraging. And, and you know, I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And I'm like, I never saw a guy being sanctified and be holy by just trying not to do things, you know. Like, and even if you win in one area, you can be all proud and be Pharisee-like, but you fail the rest of the list, you know. But, you know, I looked at myself and I'm struggling. I'm like, this is, you know, I'm... I'm, I'm impatient, I raise my voice, I have this, oh, these moods, and, you know, the more I try, the more I'm, you know, like I'm a grumpy elf or something, you know? <laughs> and I talked to my wife about it, and I said, like, looking ahead at my marathon, it's pretty gloomy. Like, what am I doing here? You know, we're going to be like this cute old couple in a senior's home, you're going to have little cute old wrinkles, and you're going to hold your hand, and my grandkid's going to ask, like, so what was Papa Bolaj like? Whoa, you know, honey, he was a pretty grumpy man, but he's more tolerable now, you know. <laughs> and then, so my wife started laughing. I'm like, that's not funny. <laughs> this, is, this is pretty gloomy. I, this is horrible. I, this is super discouraging. Like, I, that's my Christian marathon. And just like, ah! and, the, and I'm like, I'm more tolerable now. That's, oh, no. And, and, and that's only one thing on the list, you know. There has to be something here. There, you know, there has to be something else here. And, and, and what it is, is that a, a, a change of a nature. And this is where it's so important that you guys would know when the Holy Spirit dwells, dwells in you or fills you or comes upon you. I don't care what kind of verb you're using. You need Him, you know. Then it changes your nature. There's a spiritual miracle that happens. And how it continues, it says, but, so if you want, you know, inductive Bible study, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, you know. In fact, if you try to stay and fight your battle on the acts of the flesh, and try to be like, we were taught in school to be observational, be scientific, you, you know, whatever you feel, experience, what can you observe, and, you know, based on what I can observe, I can... It's a pretty gloomy picture of the world around me and my heart inclined to sin. And, you know, and if you define holiness based on your observation of the list above, that's going to be horrible. Can you imagine? Yeah, boy, it's going to be a holy boy. If he, cannot, if he doesn't watch this, doesn't see that, doesn't smoke this, doesn't think that, doesn't, what you cannot do, you know. And, and, and even more scary if we let our theology be just based on what we observe and based on our nature. And we would say, like, God is holy because he cannot smoke this, he cannot drink that, cannot say that, can't look at that, cannot even think that. No way. That's not holy, you know. That's not his holiness. And that's not how he wants to define your holiness, just by, no, 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 you know. You know, after four daughters, I got used to every girl in the family being in love with me. I got my first son, you know, he's my first kid. His first word is not daddy, it's no, no. That's his first word. Dude, I'm like, am I that mean too? Sorry, buddy. <laughs> so, 
God looks at you and wants to fill you with His Holy Spirit and wants you to win, soar, you know, just run with Him in holiness, in His nature, in the nature of His Holy Spirit. And what's the nature of His Holy Spirit? God is holy not because of what He cannot do, but because of what He can. He's absolutely free. He's absolutely almighty. And in His luxurious freedom, He is love. He loves like no one else. In fact, he's so luxurious in his love. He's like, I don't care if you're my enemy, I can love you. You cannot steal me out of my love. And he's the source of joy. He defined joy. He's the crazy story writer. He's at peace. His nature is peace. You know, if you let your theology be defined by the list above, and you're striving, you know, you're going to have a theology like me. I, I grew up with a, with a God picture of being a grumpy old man in the top of the cloud and just like, oh, you know. But do you know that he's actually at peace? That there was actually blood flowing, price paid, that we come in here, we start strumming chords and strings, and the peace of God just floods your soul. That's his nature. You want to... You wanna, discern and you want to know how the Holy Spirit leads. Just look at His nature. Look at His tone of His voice. He's patient. You know. He, he actually, the love is actually defined by patient. You know. That's the first thing. And kind. It's not, doesn't boast. You know. The nature of love is that just lost to invest time in you. He's kind. He's good. He's faithful. He is not the one who breaks covenants or contracts or agreements. He is not the story writer who just like writes your story and one weekend he's just like, oh, my wrist got tired. Let's just put the pen down. He's faithful. He's gentle. He's he's strong. He's controlled power. And he's self-controlled. You know, when, when we, when I, I, I don't want to leave here with, with you guys without asking for the Holy Spirit to fill us. But you know, when the Holy Spirit fills you, it's not a power, impersonal something, but makes you lose or just check out a little bit, you know, or just lose control. It's actually what one time he said to a young pastor, Paul, he did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind, of soberness. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you are more sharp than ever before. You are more sober than ever before. You're more aware of holiness, of your sinfulness, of reality around you than ever before. I want that. I want to be self-controlled. And so when he, he talks about being holy, whenever I heard like, all right, you, give, you be a good boy, be holy, I'm like, and my, my stomach just sank. I'm like, oh my goodness, I just failed. <laughs> I didn't even try but you know, when He fills you with your Holy Spirit, something happens. Just get to know His nature. Because He's not going to waste your time talk about like, He's going to cheer you on and say, you know what? You can actually love like no one else from now on. You can actually have joy when in my country, almost everybody struggles with deep, deep sadnesses, depressions. And you can have peace. I can be anxious about everything. If there's nothing, I make up something and I be anxious about it. And he says, like, you know what? You can have peace, like, you know, in the, in the midst of 
chemotherapy, cancer, whatever, children's sick, whatever, you can have peace. And he proved that to me. I'm not, you know, he, he can have, he can give you peace like nothing else. And he can, he can give me patience. He can, we can be kind when everybody else is rude around us. We can be good. We can be faithful when everybody else throws in the towel. You know, we can be gentle and self-controlled or sober. Like, I want that. You know? And, uh, you know, I, I spend a whole lot of time, you know, fighting, fighting, fighting. You know? I'm like, we live in a country where um, it's not so censored in here. We have, we have half-naked women on billboards and buses and Playboy magazine on the big billboards and stuff. And we go meet with the guys every week and we're like, oh, God, help us. I'm like, I came to church. I didn't know where to look. I was just like, oh, my goodness, help me not to, you know. And, um, and I'm like, if I fight that on my own, oh, my goodness, I'm doomed, you know. But somehow the Lord came and just filled us with his Holy Spirit and he's like, he switched our thinking. He's like, you know what, it's, it's not about... You know, no, 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 no. It's about, oh, you know what? You can love your wife like no other man on this planet. No one can touch my wife like I can touch her. Right? I get to love and have joy in my family, especially guys who are responsible for the tone in our household. We can bring kindness and goodness, you know, to our kids like no one else. You know, we get to be self-controlled. We get to, we get to be godly, you know. That's like a privilege. I want that nature, you know. And so if we go back to Romans 8, clarifying our nature and his nature, as it goes on in verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. I, I, I beg you not to walk away like, oh, I don't know, it's kind of appetizing. I want you to walk away filled with the spirit. Like this is the day when you make a covenant with guys, like, okay, I'm done frust- being frustrated and looking at my Christian marathon and, oh, I want your nature. In fact, he says, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, I want him to dwell in you and me, you know. But anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. You know, these are harsh sentences. When you say, like, Oh my goodness, did you just say that? Oh my goodness, if I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit, then I'm not even a Christian. Let me tell you something. Can you struggle? Oh, absolutely, you can struggle. When we we talk about Galatians 5, you know, the acts of the flesh, and then it turns our nature, all the fruit of the Spirit, we can soar. And we can develop very unhealthy theology and say, like, whoa, you know, if you're really Spirit filled, then you should not stumble. You know, but you know how Galatians six one continues: If anyone stumbles among you, you who are spirituals, go and cheer him on with the spirit of gentleness. But beware! Don't you fall in the very same sin you're rebuking. And so, guys, does does he know that we are we are prone and inclined to our our old patterns? Our old nature, all he knows, you know. And I tell you guys, a, a, a few examples, except a few examples, 80 or 90% of the time I have to confront somebody in a church 
but it's super hard to do. I'm like sweating three days before. I'm like, I hope he reschedules. I'm like, I have some more time to pray. And it's super hard conversations, you know. But 80 and 90% of the time, when I go to a brother who has fallen or, or, or stumbled, you know. I went to my friend recently, and he, he has fallen. And I went to him in, in his kitchen, you know, I opened up the Bible, and I said, okay, before we start the conversation, there are rules of engagement to this, you know. And the rules of engagement um, disciplining me is Galatians 6.1. I can only talk to you in a calm manner, in a gentle spirit. And I better watch out that after this conversation, I don't go home and click five on the internet and fall in the very same sin. And when I said that, the guy just started sobbing, crying. He's like, I don't enjoy it. I know what I did wrong. In fact, I know exactly the moment when I gave in. I know exactly what happened. And I know, I know I'm so sorry. And he started confessing. So cleansing his soul. I'm like, and at that point, I'm not saying a word. I'm just like cheering him on. Yay! And I'm like, do you know what the difference here is? Instead of me coming with the law, pastor, come to your kitchen and through my convictions and my mouth, I'm like, okay, this is what you did wrong, brother. You know, and then instead of that, I just disciplined myself by the Spirit of God and the very Spirit of God, the same Spirit of God just based on your convictions through your mouth coming and it's just like, you just walk the walk, the walk of repentance and redemption. I didn't even say a word. Like that, that, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit with you guys. I, wanna, I, want, I want this kind of shepherd to shepherd me. You know, if I struggle, I want this tone to get me back on track, you know? And that's some crazy legalism or judgment. You know, and this is the tone I want to cheer my brothers and sisters on. You know, and he knows exactly how weak we are, because Romans goes on and says in, in verse ten, "But if Christ is in you, although your body is dead because of sin, just the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, again, I don't want to leave here without." the Holy Spirit dwelling in your hearts. And he who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. He knows how weak we are, how fragile we are, how we are prone to go back to old patterns just every day. So then, brothers... We are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. That is a story with expiration date. And God's not writing that kind of story. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And I want you to hear these principles here. Those who are led by His Spirit are treated like the sons and daughters of God. Okay. I don't know who talked to you harshly or what kind of tone somebody shepherded you. This is how the Spirit of God shepherds us. And I don't know, you know, I grew up in a cult or in a sect where they really like, took advantage of this theology of the Holy Spirit in, 
like out of proportion and, and hurt, hurt, hurt us. But based on everything what I've read so far, guys, I want all of this. And I want you to have this. You know, based on His Word, it is the most healthy thing what can happen to us. We are led by the Spirit of God, treated like His sons and daughters. And you know what? And sometimes that does mean that if you are in a bad pattern, He's going to love you too much to leave you in a bad pattern. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Oh dear Daddy. So if the Holy Spirit fills us right now as we start singing and playing the guitar again, you know, He just clarified, He will not boss you around like your idols do. And He will not manipulate you by fear. And we have to hear these guys because we are just, based on our observations and our bad patterns, we can make a really unhealthy theology and approach of God. You've got to hear by His Spirit, we can cry, Abba, Father. In fact, the Spirit Himself bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If the Holy Spirit comes on you or dwells in you, you know, He will testify that you belong to Him. You know, we're planting church and half of our attendance is not believers. But I'm, it's challenging, but, you know, it's the best problem to have as a church planter. But, um, I don't want to tell anybody or even like hint if somebody's saved or not. You know, I want the very Spirit of God, the Almighty God, to come woo your heart down, communicate to you, and you be convicted. And the very Spirit of God testifying with your spirit is like, Oh, Daddy, I'm home. And you come to me and say, like, I'm in the party. I'm like, Good for you. I'm sure you are. And you don't make up that kind of stuff. You're convicted. You know. So if we are children and heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. It's His words. It's not mine. I wouldn't have written this way. But somehow He chose to prove Himself right and beautiful through hardship. He says, I want you to have a theology that doesn't just work in good times but works especially in the bad times and shines His nature, you know? And so I want you guys to feel that where He put the emphasis, you know, we have questions how the Holy Spirit leads, and I have questions, you know, there's certain stuff that's not in the Bible, you know, like who should I marry and should I adopt this child or not? Should I move to this city or not? Should I do this? Should I do that? But, you know, He wants us to be accustomed to His nature, to His voice, you could discern that kind of stuff. And I do have some, but I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to my, my, my wife and I, and we were supposed to do, you know, go to Page Hungary, but we also were supposed to do prison work, and youth prison work, and there was no youth prison in that part of the, the country. I'm like, what did I just, did I just have like a misfired devotion or something? Like, what's going on? And then, you know, when we moved there and we, I actually start looking for the options, they opened the youth prison that week when I start looking, you know, in that part of the country. So I'm like, oh, okay, so you can communicate to people like me. Uh, you find a way. And, 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 but we wanted to adopt, and they wouldn't let us adopt because policy was like this and that. And then 
the Holy Spirit showed us to adopt. He didn't show us to move to another county. I'm like, God, like, you got to change policy. You said we're going to adopt. You're going to move things around because you said. And he did change policy. And then for our case, actually, the caseworker says, don't advertise your case, please, because that was what she calls it. Like, even the heavenlies wanted that. <laughs> I'm like, really? Yeah, I agree. But the Holy Spirit, don't misunderstand me, does have task-oriented giftings this day too. He has beautiful giftings, beautiful gifts, what he's using. But what he puts the emphasis on is his nature, is his heart being changed. And does he give gifts? Oh, yes, he does. You go into a counseling, I go, I go counseling with my wife, and then somebody sits in front of us and say, like, I heard the story, but I know there's more to the story. <gasps> How do you know that? It's like, well, it's pretty scary, I know. I'm humble too. And, and sometimes we feel like the Holy Spirit does spontaneous, beautiful gifts of the Holy Spirit and making me say sentences but spoke right to somebody and says like that was a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. I'm like, whoa, that's beautiful. It's humbling. But in the last year he started doing that like three days advance and that's spooky. I'm like writing and praying over notes and he's like, just, just mark that slide because that will speak to someone. I'm like, Really? I, okay, and I, because you know every spontaneous thing or me being flexible is only spontaneous on my side of the story. God is not a spontaneous God; He's very intentional. He's He's very He's very smart, and He's very intentional. You know, He doesn't just like, ooh, okay, whoa, good idea. You know, He had those ideas. It's just it's it's me who have to be flexible to catch on to the party. You know, and. You know, when, when he does that to me, like almost every week, that there is a slide, I'm like, this will, this, I have to. And then somebody comes up to me, he's like, that sentence was, and I'm like, I know, for three days now. It's pretty crazy. So the Holy Spirit does give gifts and discernment and supernatural things, and it's powerful and does give task oriented, like empowerment or anointing on, you know, but he wants you to be filled with his nature. Absolutely filled with his nature, you know. And he said, the Spirit himself bear witness. And, you know, we would glorify him in our, when we suffer with him. And, and then a few verses later, and I will finish with this. Likewise, the Spirit, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Guys, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. And when you don't know how to carry a conversation with your Heavenly Father, He makes you a topic in heaven. You know? Your name is mentioned because of Him this morning. And He knows that you're going to go through such deep stuff and so hard things that you don't have words to express that. And you know what? Neither does He. The author of life, the great story writer, runs out of words in our agony of, of making us a topic in heaven. And the only thing our spirit and his spirit can communicate is just, oh, it hurts. So I, I, I don't want to walk away without having all of this. Everything we read about is nature. His purpose is changing our nature into His nature. I want all of this with you all. And He who searches the hearts 
knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And I would love to go to the next verse, but not for today. Father, we thank you so much for your word and your brutal honesty. What a father you are. And what heart do you have? We thank you so much that you sent your son to die a brutal death for us. So when he goes to heaven, he could keep his promise that it's better for us for him to go because then he will send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. And everything we read about your beautiful spirit today, we want it all. Please come and dwell in us. Please come and dwell in us. Please come and dwell in us.